Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today's show is sponsored by Social Media Marketing World 2017, the conference you need to get to. I am really excited about today's show. I'm literally grinning from ear to ear. I'm going to be joined by Darren Rouse, and we have an awesome interview lined up for you, focusing on really just amazing things that Darren is doing with blogging. Even our head of editorial, Lisa Jenkins, was completely pumped. She said she listened to this twice because the things that we talk about are really amazing blogging techniques, frankly, that we're thinking about implementing here at Social Media Examiner, and I think you should consider it as well. Also, special shout out to all my fellow Christians. I wish you a wonderful Christmas. I hope you enjoy this time of the year. And with that, let's transition over to this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? This week, I found an awesome smart portrait editing app called Patch. Smart portrait editing app. What does that mean? Okay, so you know how the iPhone 7 came out recently with this magical, auto-magical even, that's their word, where it has two cameras and it takes a picture kind of in the background as well as the portrait mode, the thing that's up front, and then it kind of does that blur, that depth of field that stimu- or, yep. sorry, simulates uh, like a DSLR. Yep. Patch does that, but it does it without having to have the two cameras or the iPhone 7. Now, unfortunately, it is only for iOS at this moment, but it's pretty stinking cool. All right. Well, explain explain how it works. So I tested it out by installing the app and opening up an image from my phone of a selfie that my wife and I did back in uh, our, on our anniversary date. And it's us, you know, standing there and there's a background uh, in the, the restaurant we're at. And what I did was is I turned the intensity all the way up and it does this processing thing kind of like it does on a, on Prisma. And then suddenly the background was completely blurred in, in this really cool, again, DSL, DSLR camera kind of way. And it changed that photo from looking like just a cell phone uh, selfie type photo to literally something that I would have considered like framing. Wow. It was really cool. Very cool. Well, and I think that's so powerful because a lot of times the backdrop does distract from the eye focusing on the subject in the picture, in this case, you and your wife. And by blurring that out in the appropriate way, it's pretty powerful. Now, how long did it take to process this picture? Was it pretty quick? Oh, it, it was less than ten seconds. I mean, it, I switched. Does it have a camera built into it? Does it have it a camera? It does. Yeah. So you don't have to just have it process a picture that's already been taken. You can actually take a shot right there on the spot. Yeah, yeah. If you want to, you can just take a live shot. Now it's not going to render it in real time. You're going to have to take the photo, and then it will process it. But again, it can take a. It's got the camera built in. It can up 
load or import photos from your camera roll from you know pre-existing stuff. So say you're say you're at a conference and you take a bunch of awesome selfies with your family and friends or whatever your colleagues, and you want to go and process some of those afterwards. That's what you can do. So yeah, got it. So when you use the camera mode, it's not going to look any different than any other camera on the iPhone. You may as well just use the standard camera and let this thing do the post-processing, right? I think so. I think you're probably better off that way anyway. So Now, what's yeah, the cost it's, it's, on this thing? So it's completely free, but there is a $0.99 cent, uh, watermark removal if you want that, but um, the watermark's hardly noticeable to me. Oh, really? Okay. So, so. it's free, and then if you don't want the watermark, then you got to pay $0.99 cents to have it removed. Yeah. I uh, did anyway, though, because it was pretty cool to just, it's like, hey, it's 99 cents and it's done, one and done. So what's, so where do we find the app? So pretty cool way to find this. It's a, a unique URL. It's patch, P-A-T-C-H, patch.photos. Patch.photos. Patch. Awesome. Yeah. And can we find it in the app store as well? Yes. You just look up uh, patch. Excellent. Thank you so much, Eric, for bringing us this brand new find. You're welcome. It's a fantastic experience. I don't know that I've been at an event that was so uh, culturally uh, profound. The network is amazing. The people are amazing. The crowds are just nonstop. Everywhere you go, it's fantastic. Uh, I've made tremendous friends. I've made uh, some really great business opportunities out of this as well. I've been to Social Media Marketing World every year for four years. I wouldn't think of missing it. This is a great opportunity to get the latest information on what's working in social media and to network with the people that are making it happen. Don't miss it. Well, there you heard it. The first person was Brian Solis. And the second person you heard from was Michael Hyatt, who said, don't miss it. So let me ask you, are you thinking about social media marketing world? Are you wondering whether it's worth attending? Are you concerned that you might be missing out on all the crazy changes that are going on in the world of social media? Let me tell you, I do a weekly live show every single Friday and as of this recording, I just finished a live show that had 17, count them, 17 new updates that happened literally in the last week in the world of social media. This it really is a jungle. There's new species popping up all over the place. The trails that used to work are getting overgrown. And you've got to cut new trails. You've got to change the way that you're doing things if you're going to survive in the ever-changing world of social media marketing. So will you join thousands of your fellow peers from all around the planet, people that are range from people working as full-time social media marketers in corporate America, to people that are consultants, to people that are small business owners looking for an edge because they don't have a lot of money to spend on outside advertising. If you're looking to really truly take your marketing to the next level, or you really want to dive into some sort of content creation, for example, want to really take start a podcast and take it to the next level or take your blog to the next level or get into this crazy thing called live video or maybe your YouTube and video creator. We have all of this at Social Media Marketing World. I would implore you to check out the conference, make the investment, come to sunny San Diego this March. Simply visit socialmediaworld17.com, watch the video that you'll see there, and then go ahead and make the decision, invest in yourself. Convince your employer or your clients to invest in you so that you can make it to social media marketing world. Again, socialmediaworld17.com. When you come, come up to me, say, hey, I listened to the podcast. You persuaded me. Hope to see you there. Let's transition over to this week's 
really incredible interview with Darren Rouse. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Darren Rouse. If you don't know who Darren is, he's one of the world's leading experts on blogging. He's the founder of two very popular blogs, Digital Photography School and Pro Blogger. He also co-authored the book Pro Blogger and is host of the Pro Blogger podcast. Darren, welcome to the show. It's great to be chatting with you again. So today, Darren and I are going to explore techniques that he's used to come up with what kind of content he should produce, collect more emails for his blog list, and promote the things that he's promoting. So um, let's start with uh, your blog content, because I know there's a lot of bloggers out there that often aren't sure what they should blog about. And considering that you run two pretty big blogs, my guess is you have a pretty um, tested process of deciding how or what types of content you ought to produce. Can you share more about that? Sure. Um, in, in the early days, it certainly, there was no process at all. It all came down to what I felt like in the moment, which was great in some ways. And I think a lot of bloggers probably should start with what's on their heart because that comes across as passionate. But if you do want to go beyond the first year and, and build something that, um, I guess becomes known for um, having some expertise in a niche. I think um, the more thought you can put into it, the better. So look, there's two halves to my answer. Firstly, there's some big picture stuff. And I think it's really important to understand who's reading your blog and what, what their needs are. And that's ultimately where all our content ideas come from. It's understanding our readers and the conversations we have with them to determine uh, what we then write about. And then we try and map out the pathway or the journey we're, we're going to take our readers on. So we, we do um, a before and after avatar for our readers. So a lot of bloggers have an avatar that describes who their readers are, but we actually have a second one of who we want our readers to become. Mm. And that then really informs the content because all you have to do is to fill in the gaps. You know, what does, what does that person need to know to get them to that aftershot? And so um, brainstorming that process and knowing that pathway that your readers need to take, that's what the ideas really just come out of that. Um, and, well, and now, so yeah, let, me pa- let me pause you for a sec there because yeah. um, I find that intriguing. You have a profile for who your readers are and who you want them to become. Can you give an example of maybe what the before and after might be knowing, of course, I, you might not have all those details in front of you, but maybe either sure. an example of, of someone else or your own, just so people can understand that. Yeah. So on our photography blog, um, it's pretty simple in some ways. Our readers, when they come to us, the most simple description is that they're in automatic mode on their cameras. They're pointing, pointing and shooting. They've got these amazing cameras, but they don't know how to use them um, to their full potential. And the aftershot is that they have full creative control of their cameras. They have the confidence, but also the knowledge to be able to get out of automatic mode and to really take their photography to the next level. So that's that's the most simple way of describing it. And then, so what do they need to know? Well, they need to develop confidence. They need to to have certain knowledge, but they also need to have um, certain skills, uh, you know, around, you know, how to change aperture and how to change shutter speed and some of these sort of technical things, but it's also confidence. And so when I did this exercise the first time in 2006, I came up with 200 things that they needed to know. And those 200 things were the first 200 posts on the site. 
So this does beg the question, do you create for the photographer in the automatic mode and then, you know, give them a spoonful of sugar with some medicine in it? So they, they, cause they mm. might not be knowing that they're looking for aperture setting changes, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it, it, the great thing about knowing this pathway and knowing this change that you're trying to bring is that actually it helps you to brand your site as well. So in the early days, our, our catchphrase was get out of automatic mode because that's what people came to us looking for. They didn't know that that would mean aperture and shutter speed and all those things. So you sell them on what they know they need um, and then you give them what they what you know they need. And so the I guess oh, the process- Oh, whoa, 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 hold on. So you give them what they want is what I hear you yeah. saying, but you sell them what they need. Is that is that- Exactly. So yeah. when you say sell, you mean ultimately upsell to some sort of a training course or something? Yes, and also th- that's how we get them to subscribe. Um, and, mm. and really we're selling them on on that, that get on our list or follow us on Facebook or whatever it is that's your primary means of connecting with people. But then obviously the, the sale, the actual sale, um, you do the same thing. Um, and, and again, it's, it's like our travel photography ebook. Um, they, we sold them on what they knew. They knew that they came back from their trips with photos that didn't reflect their journey. And then in the ebook itself was the things that they didn't know that they didn't know. Um, so it was, it was kind of that extra stuff that we knew that, that would help them to lift their photos. So, yeah, I think that principle really applies in, in different ways. So, is there any more to the process of how you decide what to create beyond um, identifying the how they come to you and how you want them to get transformed? Yeah, so that that's a big part of it, and that that really comes up with the topics. But in terms of the editorial strategy, I think um, we we go through a little process every year. And again, this was me by myself in the early days, but now it's a team um, where I I kind of walk through every year nine different things and I'll, I'll really quickly go through them we, we talk about our voice so is our is our content conversational is it more of a teaching voice is it storytelling uh, are we thought leaders so the voice is really important and that changes over time a little bit depending on the type of blog you have um, we ask ourselves how much evergreen content do we want versus time sensitive content um, and for us, we, we go more towards that evergreen side of things, but other blogs, it's, it has to be more time sensitive. Um, we ask about the intent. So we, we try and do inspiration, information and interaction content, but we have a, a mix where we really focus a lot on information because we're teaching people and then we sprinkle in the inspiration and interaction. And over time, we've actually changed the mix of that a little bit. Um, can, you define inter- can you define interaction for those that may not understand what you mean by that? Sure. So every week we do a challenge post where we say to our readers, take a photo using this technique and then come back and show us the photo. So mm. that's an interaction post. Um, from time to time, we'll also do a discussion post. So we'll do, you know, Canon versus Nikon, um, you know, what do you think? And that always gets a, a firestorm of comments going. So that's more of an interaction type post as well. And some blogs, that's what they do. That their, their blog is all about the debate or it's all about conversation. Whereas for us, it's more about information. Um, and then the inspiration post for us is more, here's a beautiful picture um, and, or here's a collection of beautiful pictures or here's a story. Um, it's more aiming at the heart. And, and again, there's some blogs that that's what they major on and they don't do much of the other two. Um, for us, it's a mix and, and the mix is something we're very intentional about. Okay, okay, okay. Hold on. I, I can't not let this go. This interaction thing. Is this something that works for everyone? Because I don't think we've ever at Social Media Examiner done this kind of an interaction thing. It's always been education, 
you know, maybe a little yeah. bit of inspiration with the podcast, but, um, is that something that still works today? And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that before you keep going. Yeah, look, it, it certainly changed. A lot of interaction on blogs has gone into the Facebook pages that we have or the Twitter accounts or, you know, um, you know the live video <laughs> discussions that we, we kind of have around our live video. So a lot of that interaction has moved there, but we certainly see it as still having a big place on our blog. Um, we do do a weekly challenge. We do a monthly um, discussion post. Uh, even on ProBlogger in the last few days, we had a post on, it was called our community discussion on um, how to drive traffic to your blog and, and you know, people are chiming in with their experiences. So cool. um, I, I do think there's a place for it. Um, yeah. Cool. Keep on going down that process. That yeah. So um, the fourth one was format. So we're very intentional about, you know, is, are we writing reviews or tutorials or opinion pieces or news or case studies? And, and we think about the mix. Um, we've just gone through this process with ProBlogger. And we realized that we hadn't done too many case studies for a while. So we're now trying to, you know, we've got a goal of, you know, every second week we want a case study appearing on the site. Um, number five was the authorship. So are you a single author blog versus multi-author? And if you're a multi-author, is it um, lots of random guest posts or do you have a regular writing team? Um, and that's something that's changed on our blogs um, over the years. It started out just me, then it moved to guest posts, lots of guest posts. And more recently, we've been moving to subject matter experts um, on particular topics within our overall um, large topic. So our readers are hearing from the same voices over and over again, uh, getting to know them. Um, another question we ask is frequency. Um, you know, do we want to be doing daily, weekly, monthly? Um, and again, that's changed for us over time. On ProBlog particularly, we've gone from it twice a day to once a day. And more recently, we've gone to five posts a week. Um, and so frequency you know, is something we, we do address. The length of your posts, short um, posts versus mega posts. Um, and then also the standalone post versus the series of series of posts. Um, and this is something, again, we've been experimenting with quite a bit on ProBlogger is, you know, can we do a whole week of um, posts on the same topic? Um, but what's, yeah, what, talk to me about that. How, how's that been working for you? Yeah, so it, it's something we, some of our readers really love. So we did a week on um, content creation and um, there was a case study post, there was an interview post, there was a couple of tutorials um, and over the week we were able to really step through a very big topic um, and that worked quite well for us. Um, but it does frustrate some of your readers who aren't interested in that subsection of what you're writing about. And that's um, so that's one of the challenges that that you do face in doing that. Um, I, uh, from time to time, we'll do a seven day challenge type series. So on um, my podcast, we did um, seven days to finding a blogging groove. Um, and that was a daily show for seven days in a row. Um, and readers really loved it because they were able to really take their blogs to the next level over a week. And they, they kind of all joined a Facebook group and, and um, built some community around it as well. So, yeah, well, I try and do a bit of both. Um, I certainly don't want every post to be a part of a series because um, that, that disenfranchises some of your readers as well. Right, exactly. Yeah. And the last thing that we kind of work through with our um, matrix of um, uh, content is the mediums. And is it going to be written? Is it going to be video live versus recorded? Or is it going to be audio or visual content as well? And, and we're quite intentional about trying to come up with a mix of those um, types of things. So on ProBlogger, it's 
mainly written, but we also do one or two shows a week of, of the podcast. We're just moving to a weekly show at the moment. We, we had been twice a week. And um, video hasn't been a, as major a focus for, for us recently, um, although we're going to get back into the live video um, space a bit as well. So they're kind of nine things that we are very intentional about. We kind of every year we go through that list and work out what – what's um, editorial strategy we'll have over the next year based upon those sort of nine factors. Brilliant. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I'm going to have my team have a hard listen to this because I love this idea now. And I love a lot of the stuff you're doing. This next thing I want to zoom in on is, is your evergreen content. You have a lot of (laughs) evergreen content and, and you and I had spoken offline before this interview about some of the cool things that you were doing to make sure uh, certain kinds of audiences found some of that evergreen content. Can you share what you're doing? Yeah. So on ProBlogger, we have 8,000 pieces of content now, 95% of which is pretty much evergreen in its nature. Um, so the challenge we have is we we have readers coming into the site looking for specific information, but they're overwhelmed by this archive that we have. Um, some of them are at the beginning of their blogging journey looking to work out if they if they should start blogging or how to start and others are much more advanced. So um, the challenge I guess all blogs have is is that the the nature of the blog is that when you arrive on the blog, it's the last piece of content that you see. And that last piece of content's often not the right piece of content for people. Um, and, you know, if they happen to see something that's good on the front page, then that's great. But, you know, what about if they don't? So we're kind of really toying with, you know, how do we get the right content in front of people at the right time? And and one of the ideas we came up with was to have on our sidebar and on our front page a, a grid of eight different topics that we know our readers come looking for. So if you go to the front page of ProBlogger, you'll see we have, uh, if you scroll down, a, a, a sign, a, a heading that says, I need help to. And then underneath it, it says, start a blog, create content, find readers, build community, make money, be productive, understand technology and get work. And they're the eight things we've surveyed our readers and we know they come looking for. Um, It would be very unusual for someone to come and they're not looking for one of those eight things. And so on every page on the site, they see this little grid and within a click, they can be on what we call our portals. And our portals are designed not to just show our latest content on those topics like a category page, but to show the right content. And so if you go and look at it, you'll see um, there's a video right at the top and the video is me, um, a bit of personal branding, but it also tries to make a connection with people. And I try and talk about my own challenges in this particular area and then how to use the page. There's a a call to subscribe and people click our subscribe um, button on these pages like crazy. And I think it's something to do with the video and something to do with that personal connection. Do you have, just real quick, do you have a special offer depending on what category they're in? Because I'm looking at create content and it says get 180 free blog post ideas. Yes. So this is something we're trying to build an opt-in for each of these portal pages. Hmm. Um, and yeah, that's our goal. At the moment, we've only got the one um, going there, um, but we're, ultimately we'll have a an opt-in that relates very strongly to each one of them. And that, that one works best because it's something much more relevant than just subscribe. Um, underneath the video, we have six of our best posts on that topic, and we try and choose posts there that are going to 
cover the beginner type stuff, but also some more um, uh, frequently asked questions that we get. And we should um, state it says start here. So what you see is, uh, yeah. you know, it says start here and then there's six images. Some of them appear to be videos and some of them appear to be blog posts. And, um, uh, and you've selectively curated some of your best stuff to go right there. Yeah. And this is the stuff that we know people have responded to positively. It's the stuff that we know they've shared. Um, and so, um, yeah, we know it's the stuff that's going to help them. And then underneath that, we have our latest content. And this is um, from our blog and from the podcast. Um, and I will say that you see them as videos, but they're actually audio. They're actually our podcast and they can play the podcast right from that page. They don't have to go over to, to um, listen to it somewhere else. Um, and so it's a mix of audio and, and um, written content to appeal to both of our audiences. Yeah, and it's in, it's in two columns, and it <laughs> looks like it's just the most recent post on each of these things. It's almost like what you, what you would normally see from a homepage of a blog, right? Um, exactly. Except it's way down the page after you've got a chance to watch a video from Darren and perhaps click in on some of the content. And then below that, what have you got going on bo below all that? Yeah, so below that, then we have a product that's um, or an offer or a recommendation of um, yeah something else that we want them to do that usually is relating. And, and ultimately, again, on our portal page, we'll have an offer um, that's more of a sale offer um, that relates to that particular topic. But really, this page is more about trying to get people to content um, because we know the content's what's going to sell them on subscribing uh, to the site. Um how long have you been trying these? What, what do you call these portals? Yeah. Yeah, we started them, I think it was like March or April uh, this year. So we're about six months in and we're kind of at the point where we want to change them up a little bit. Um, and well, are you measure, What are you measuring and, how do you, and are they working for you? Yeah, we're, we're looking mainly at um, uh, the subscribers. That's one big part of it. And also, how many pages people are viewing as a result or after they've been on this page. Are you, are you uh, tracking the time on these pages as well? I mean, are you finding that, um, that people that visit these portal pages are more likely, less likely to bounce off the site and more likely to take some of the actions you were hoping they would take? Exactly. They're, they're staying on the site longer. They're viewing more pages. Um, bounce rate obviously is down um, and they're subscribing at a higher rate. Now, you also have this thing in the navigation bar that says start here. Um, and what's the purpose of that? Because that seems to be similar, but a little different, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, so we traditionally always had an about page and people would click about like crazy in our navigation area. But since we put start here instead of about, people have been clicking that link double. Um, wow. What, what they did with about. Um, and so it's done really well for us. Again, it, it is similar in that there's a video, there's a call to subscribe early on, but it's more of a story page. Um, so if you go and look at it, you'll actually see I tell a little bit of my story going from a hobby blogger to a full-time blogger, and then I get people to the portals. And ultimately, it's, again, about trying to get them over to the, the right content for them, um, introduce the site, um, but there's more uh, stronger calls to action to subscribe there. As now, well. now, I noticed that you have a uh, top navigation and a bottom navigation. And historically in the past, all the navigational elements would be in the top. But it seems like you're moving some of the things that um, are non-essential to the bottom. For example, your about page is there, but it's at the bottom of the page. Yep. Have you been? What's the strategy there? Because I would love to understand what you're doing here. Yeah, I... <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not sure how much strategy there is there. Um, I, I, one thing that I did notice when I was doing some um, click tracking studies is that a lot of people do go right to the bottom. And um, I noticed that um, there's not much clicking going on in the bottom third of a page until right at the bottom. And mm. I guess that's just a point where people stop scrolling and they're looking for something else to do. So, um, yeah, we, we do um, feature our job board at the bottom um, and recent articles and some um, some top stuff just for anyone who does get down there. But I've not really put a lot of thought but it into sounds that. Like, it um, sounds like you've taken the stuff that's most important to you and you've made sure that is exclusively in the top navigation bar, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want 20 items there. I don't like too many drop-down menus, even though we do have them on DPS at the moment. Um, I, I like, you know, giving people five or six key things that they can do in that navigation. And it follows them down the page. It, it sort of changes um, up the top there um, into a white one, so it's a little less um, confronting. But it's still the, the main things that we're trying to get people to do are up there. If somebody were to model you and try to create these... Um uh, portals or audience portals or content portals, how might you suggest they go about deciding which ones they ought to create? Yeah, so we surveyed our audience. Um, it was kind of intuitive. We, After writing ProBlogger since 2004, I kind of know why people come to the site. I, I know the frequently asked questions. I know the content that's most popular. And so it was intuitive, but we did survey our readers to really find out what their big challenges were and um, what their main questions were. And we saw these clusters, these eight clusters, I guess, of, of um, reasons that people were coming and, and that kind of... Um, yeah. Solidified. Did you start with eight or did you just start with one or two and then expand it? Yeah, I started with four. Um, and yeah, we were going to do create content, finding readers, build community and make money. They're the four things that I teach about mostly. Mm. And then I realized that there was a massive amount of our readers who were really coming looking to start a blog and then that became another one. And then, um, yeah, the other three really came out of the survey. Do you find that these are uh, like mini homepages almost? And is there any kind of advantage in the search that you've been able to find as a result of doing this? Um, we've not noticed a massive increase in our search to these pages. In fact, I think, I think, and I'd have to check this, we may block um, bots coming to this page because we already rank pretty well. Um, for some of these terms. Oh, intriguing. Um, yeah. But I would imagine these become some of the more popular pages on the site. Am I right? Because yes. you're promoting yeah. the heck out of them everywhere, right? Yeah. That, I mean, every page on the site is featuring these um, these pages. So we do drive a lot of traffic to them. Um, and I guess we see them as landing pages, really um, more complicated <laughs> landing pages with lots of options, which is um, usually not done on a landing page, but we're treating them as, as a landing page. Do you think that you'll ever perhaps have uh, under the start here menu um, a series of drop downs to these eight different sections just so anybody could get there another way? Or would you, or would you rather not do that? I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think I, I don't know that I would. I think really the start here page is about building that relationship with people and trying to explain what the site's about. And ultimately, that's where I would like them to start because I want them to understand the history of the site and um, you know, my story from hobby to full-time blogger, I know has a massive impact on people. I hear people telling that story to other people about me. And so I, I, I know that that story has an impact on people and builds that personal connection. It's an inspirational kind of story. People want to take that journey. And so I, I really want to get them to that page, um, to make that personal connection with them and then they can get to the portals from there. Um, you're doing some creative things on your homepage. 
and um, maybe you could share kind of um, what you're doing and what you how you believe the homepage might be changing for bloggers because honestly so many of us including myself um, pretty much just have our most recent blog post and how is your homepage distinctly unique I'm just curious what you're doing with that yeah we played over the years we played a lot with the homepage and you know as I mentioned before when someone comes to that homepage they're seeing your latest content and that could be great for them it could not be um, so we've moved our, our front page to more of a portal um, and it has been for a number of um, iterations of our design. One of the things we have tried this time around is to show different things to different people depending on whether they've been to the site before. So if you come to ProBlogger for the first time or you go in an incognito um, um, page, you'll see that um, I'm actually trying to see, <laughs> remember what I've got written there, but it, it is really I'll designed. I'll look it up while you're talking. <laughs> it's really designed um, to create that good first impression um, with people. So um, when you go there at first, you see that it says, um, I think it says, become a pro blogger. And that's our main benefit. That's our main promise. Yeah, um, it sure does. It says, become, it says become a pro blogger. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's what you see the first time you go there. Then it gives a really quick history of the site, you know, since 2004, which builds some credibility, tells what the site's about, links to our portals, calls you to subscribe, and then links to our Start Here page because, again, that's my ultimate goal. But if you come back again, um, you will see a different – that section will be different. It will say, welcome back. Um, so it shows people that we know they've been there before. And because we know that they already know about us, at least we we hope they've got to our Start Here page, at, at that point we're showing them our latest content and we show them our latest blog post and our latest podcast. And again, they can play the podcast right there without having to visit another page. And then I ask them, are you subscribed? Because um, they may already be subscribed by this point. And so we're how, how do you just showing functionally, them a bit different. How do you pull this off, by the way? Because some people want to know, how do I do that? It's cookies. Um, so, yeah, we, we are actually tracking whether you've been on the site before. Um, I The technicalities of um, how they're actually showing something different there, I'm not, not really sure our developers um, Got it. have obviously worked out. If you've, if you've been there before with the cookie, then um, you'll, you'll see something a bit different. The only time that they probably don't is when they're blocking cookies. And so then they're always seeing the become a pro blogger. Hmm. Now, is that the only thing that changes or, or are there other parts that change depending on your actions? Yeah, the other thing is if you then come back three days later when we've published a new blog post and a new podcast, underneath it, it will say um, it, there'll be a little icon that comes up that shows you how many posts have been published since you were last there. Oh, wow. So, sort, of, sort of like Facebook when you come back and there's 20 new notifications. And that's where I got that idea from is like, you know, how can we show people that something's changed since last time? And then there's an option to go and view the latest content um, as a result of that. Very cool. Now, um, I know that one of the things that you have always been experimenting with is how to grow your email list. And I want to talk about this thing known as a welcome mat. Maybe you can explain what it is and what kinds of things you've discovered as a result of using it. Maybe some of the things you're testing with that. Sure. Um, 
so we've long used pop-ups on digital photography school particularly and pop-ups increased our sign-ups to our newsletter tenfold when we started to use them like 10 years ago now um, and they've always worked well they're very intrusive but they work well and we've always had them set to only show once so if you go to the site you should not only see it once and then never again um, so I was really happy with that and got a bit complacent really with it, but started to see friends using the welcome mat. And the welcome mat is where you see it pretty much takes over the whole page and it slides down from the top. And sometimes it's very plain. Sometimes there's a picture involved. Sometimes that you can actually put a video in it as well. Um, and it really takes over the whole page. So you've got no option but to hit the no thanks button or close it down or subscribe. Um, it is more intrusive, but there's something about it that's perhaps a little bit more elegant than a pop-up as well because it slides down and it, um, if you design it nicely, it can, it can be quite good. Um, they're not for everyone. I know a lot of people really get frustrated by them, um, but when we started using the welcome mat, typically we were seeing twice the conversions that we were seeing from a pop-up. Wow. Um, so, you know, that was pretty compelling for me uh, to the point where I started using them on ProBlogger and I'd never done a pop-up on ProBlogger. Um, wow. Yeah. So hold on a second. Just when do they occur, I guess is the first question, and where do they occur? So rather than having a delay on it, so pop-ups usually, you we typically were delaying them 20 or 30 seconds but once people have begun to consume some content. You generally have to do them right at the start, but you can you set them up in lots of different ways. You can set them up to not show on certain pages. So we typically don't show them on our homepage. We only show them on articles. Um, you can set them up to only show to certain types of traffic. So you could say, I, I only want to show them to Google traffic because Google traffic tends to bounce away anyway. So, you know, why not show them to those? Ooh, you can set, like that set them up to, yes, Facebook only or Twitter only, or you can show different welcome mats for different sources of traffic. So you could show something for a Facebook audience that promotes your Facebook page or same with Twitter, um, or you can show different offers to different audiences as well. Um, I've even seen it done where you have a particular post and you design a welcome app for that post. So you might have a post that just always gets lots of traffic. So you design an opt-in purely for that and show a welcome mat um, specific for that post and it may not show anywhere else. So there's lots of things you can do. Um, we use um, Sumo Me and Optin Monster. Both have really great tools. Um, Optin Monster particularly seems to be really developing a lot of, uh, of great tools uh, to help do that. Um, and and but, yeah, does it work on mobile or only on desktop? It works on mobile and desktop, but the, the word of warning is that Google um, a few months ago announced that they're going to start penalizing sites that interrupt um, the, ex the, the mobile experience, experience of mobile. Yeah, right. mobile. And so we will stop using them on mobile in January. Yeah, um, I think I think it's Jan yeah, is it January or February, something like that. Um, what's yep. been your experience? Uh, what works better? I mean very plain looking things, highly graphical looking things. What's been, I know you've been testing all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we, we do. And if you refresh our site a few times in an incognito window, you'll see some different tests we're running at the moment. ProBlogger, it was interesting. Uh, we've tested my face because it's a very personally branded site that did not work. People didn't, didn't like it. I don't know what, what that was. Uh, we've tried images. We've tried little videos. Um, we've tried um, graphs of traffic, all kinds of things. But the 
one that works best for us on ProBlogger is the most plain default one that Sumo Me has in their system. Um, huh. So very simple. Um, and But on Digital Photography School, that one doesn't work as well. What works well there is people um, pictures of people taking photos. So um, photographers, like pictures of photographers. So test is what I hear you saying. Test, 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 yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and obviously our audience is more visual on digital photography school, so maybe that's part of it. Um, maybe it's more of an aspirational thing. And then you want to test the colors and the call to action as well. Um, we've um, used opt-ins in some of them, and they work very well. Um, uh, increase the, the chances of a subscribe. Um, have yeah, you had any so complaints from people about it? Because I, you know, I've not used this yet. I'm a little scared to use it. I mean, uh, what's been yeah. the, the reaction from the, from the fan base and the readers? I know a lot of people hate anything that interrupts, but I've, I rarely get complaints about these or any kind of pop-up that we do, and we, we tested them all. We, we actually find exit pop-ups work quite well as well, and we actually have them and welcome mats on the site showing it different um, after different amounts of page views. So they see a welcome mat when they first come, and then after three or four page views, they will see an exit pop-up as well, and that combination works very well for us. Awesome. Um, we we really watched our bounce rate when we um, introduced these because we thought, you know, people are just going to bounce straight away when they see this. It didn't didn't impact it at all. Wow. We didn't see any decrease. Wow. Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much, Darren, for sharing so openly all these awesome ideas. I know that I have like a whole notepad completely full of notes that I'm going to go start experimenting <laughs> with. Cool. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can discover more about your blogging site and your photography site and anything else you want to share? Yeah, so if you just go to problogger.com, you will um, find all the things we do. Um, the podcast is on iTunes. We do a weekly show there. Uh, it's very teaching-based. Uh, it's usually just me talking for 20 minutes about a particular topic rather than interviewing. Um, I, I feel like I'm better when I've got something prepared to say. And that's called um, ProBlogger also, right? Yeah, if you just search for ProBlogger, you'll find that. Um, it's We just transitioned to a weekly show, but there's 165 episodes there in the archives. And then Digital Photography School, if you just did uh, – Google those words, you'll find it. It's a, a tricky URL. It's got lots of hyphens, so I don't tend to go through it letter by letter, but uh, DPS or Digital Photography School will get you onto that site. Darren Rouse, thank you so much for coming on today's show and sharing all your awesome wisdom with us. You're welcome. Great to chat with you. Well, I hope you found a lot of amazing value in today's interview. Would you do me a favor? If there was something that you discovered from today's show, would you go over to socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes and give me a review and write what it is that you discovered in this episode and why you love it. Also, if there was some stuff we talked about and you didn't catch it, you can go ahead and visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 229, stands for episode 229. Also, hit that subscribe button on your podcast player. Do not ever miss a future episode of this show. Be sure to check out Social Media Marketing World 2017. You can check it out at socialmediaworld17.com. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I assure you I will be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world, hopefully in a good way. Catch you next week. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.